Good morning, church family. Welcome back to church. And uh, those that are uh, online, welcome to you as well as you uh, worship with us this morning. If you have been turning on your TV, uh, you have been noticing over these last weeks, and especially this last week, that we're living in times of turmoil, that our country is in turmoil. What's going on in our country? Well, uh, of course, we're going through this time of an international crisis, an international plague, disease, the uh, pandemic, COVID-19 virus. And uh, we've got a picture of that just to remind you that this is something that is going over the entire planet. Um, every country on the planet has been affected by this. It's taken sickness, it's taken disease, death, crippling economies, there's an international crisis you're well aware of. In addition to that, we uh, also have had uh, a time of political, foreign political interference. When um, both parties uh, across the aisle and people that protect our nation know uh, we've got a picture of China up there, we could have put a picture of Russia, but there are foreign nations who uh, have meddled and would like to meddle with our government, with our political process. In addition to that uh, foreign political in interference, what's really dominated the news these last few weeks, you're well aware, is the whole issue of racial discrimination. And it, was, uh, it erupted just over a month ago with this terrible picture of uh, George Floyd being killed, um, in a, in a, uh, being arrested as, and, and detained as a, as a black man by a white police officer, but that was just sort of the straw that broke the camel's back. And, protests erupted across the nation, including our islands, because of this ugly uh, issue of racial discrimination uh, popping up in our culture. And of course, what started as peaceful protests across the nation uh, in some places erupted into violence. And we saw pictures of, of looting and burning and um, uh, violence between uh, police and, and protesters. Uh, some protesters bringing destruction, burning, arson, looting. Uh, all of these things were images on our TV and have just happened in, in recent weeks and we're, we're looking for those things to die down. All of this has been a part of our national news. It's the turmoil that our nation is going through. And with that violence, there has been lawlessness. We've got a picture of uh, people who, um, and yes, you may have a reason to want to take down a monument, to want to take down a statue, but nobody condones people taking matters into their own hands and, and just deciding what monuments they're going to destroy and what they're going to, just lawlessness. And uh, not just lawlessness of tearing down uh, statues, but lawlessness of setting up parts of cities and perhaps the, the most um, uh, egregious example was what we watched happen in Seattle where uh, groups of protesters just decided they were going to take over parts of public and private property. And so, yes, you know all about uh, the CHOP zone and um, people setting up barricades and the mayor taking, uh, I think we've got a picture there of, of the CHOP zone. There's the mayor of Seattle who initially said, hey, this is just a summer festival where these protesters are just going to take over part of downtown Seattle until shooting and she took the police out until shootings happened and things got worse and then now she's facing lawsuits from private uh, landowners and business owners but um, all of this lawlessness uh, governments who uh, governors and political leaders and she's not the only one across the nation where were the political leaders who stood against these lawless acts that were spreading in our country and is it going to get worse or will it get better uh, all of this is part of what that 
what we've watched on the news, and there is conflict, and there is division. Uh, uh, this picture just kind of shows uh, the political unrest that has swept over our nation, and most of us who have been around a while know that, yeah, there's always political differences and viewpoints, but the political division and the animosity and the vitriol has, um, has reached all-time highs. This is all the world we live in. It's a world of turmoil. And probably you and your family and your, even your friends may have difficulty even having civil political dialogue because of the, the conflict that, that has uh, swept over our nation. With all of this turmoil, there is a prophet who lived through the exact same time who lived through the exact kinds of things that we have experienced these recent weeks. His name is Habakkuk, this um, in some ways obscure prophet from the 7th century before Christ. But let me tell you, when Habakkuk turned on his television set, he saw the exact same headlines, he saw the exact same news stories that you and I do. And he has a prophetic word for you and me this morning. And I don't want to miss that prophetic word that God has for you and for me during our time of turmoil, during today. What did Habakkuk, what was going on in his world? Well, one thing that was going on in his world was an international crisis. It wasn't a pandemic. But what was going on in, in Habakkuk's world was Babylon was rising up to become the world superpower. And they were defeating the Assyrians and starting to take over and clashing with the Egyptians but all of that meant for Habakkuk's country that there was this impending power, world superpower, raising up and threatening his country. And so there was an international crisis in his day. Not only that, there was foreign political interference. In, in Habakkuk's day, the Egyptians came in and actually removed the king of Israel, Jehoahaz, a godly king, and replaced him with his brother, an unrighteous king, a man by the name of Jehoiakim. And so they had, they had foreign political interference coming into their government uh, in tangible ways. They, it, Habakkuk knew not only about um, uh, this international crisis and, and foreign political interference, but he also knew all about injustice. And so let me just read to you the uh, passage that will come up on your screen or on your notes where he cries out and, and he says to the Lord, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? And we've seen scenes of injustice in our culture. Why do you tolerate evil? Why do you tolerate this wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed. The, the law is not being enforced in our country. It's paralyzed. And justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous. The wicked surround the righteous so that justice is perverted. It's distorted. In all of these ways, Habakkuk is crying out to God and he knew all about an international crisis and he knew all about political interference and he knew all about injustice because he says, why, God, do you make me watch injustice? Why, when I turn on my TV, do I have to watch this terrible evil of injustice that's going on in our culture? He knew all about destruction. Destruction and violence are before me. And so he saw the same kind of images with his eyes Maybe not 
arson in, in, in the street, but he saw violence and injustice and destruction. He saw lawlessness. He says the law is paralyzed and justice isn't being applied. And so he experienced all of this turmoil that you and I have seen in these last few weeks. And conflict, division, he says there is strife and the conflict abounds. There is rampant division and conflict in our nation. Habakkuk saw all of these elements of turmoil that you and I have watched virtually on our nightly television. And he has a prophetic word for you. He has a word from God for you. Now, is that word from this prophet who watched the same newscast that you and I watch, is that prophetic word that this pandemic and the lawlessness that has shown itself in parts of our country, that that is the sign of the apocalypse, the end of the world that Jesus is coming? And the answer is no. It's not because the pandemic is a birth pang. Jesus talked about birth pangs of disease and, and pestilence that, that show the world isn't right, that shows that he is coming and he's going to make all things new, but it's a birth pang. It's not the sign. We know this because Jesus taught on the Olivet Discourse and it's a, it's a message for another day, but Jesus said the sign of his return is the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place. That's the sign of his second coming. But what we should all pay attention to is the birth pangs do remind us that the heavenly king is coming and he could come at any time. He could come at any time. The next thing on the prophetic calendar of Jesus coming for his people could happen this afternoon. And we need to be paying attention as Jesus teaches us that in light of his second coming, that the birth pangs remind us that he is coming, that we need to be serving faithfully, carrying out his mission, telling people about who he is and having them rescued from the domain of darkness into his kingdom. And, and yes, part of that is regathering the church and rebuilding uh, all that God wants us to do as a church family. Being faithful to serving the king because no one knows when he's coming. And so yes, it's a sign that uh, the world can change very quickly and those uh, conditions in which that will bring back the return of Christ can happen at any moment. So we need to learn from that. But let us not miss Habakkuk's prophetic word this morning. Habakkuk's prophetic word to you and me can be summarized in three words. Three words. The first word is lament, and we'll see what that means in a minute. The second word is worship. Lament, worship, and the third word is trust. That's Habakkuk's message in the times of turmoil in which we live. That's God's prophetic word to you and to me during this time of turmoil. The first word is this word lament because that's exactly what Habakkuk is doing, living through the same kind of turmoil that you and I are experiencing. He laments, which is simply this. He cries out to God. He cries out to God for God to bring his rule, his reign into his country, into his circumstances, into his life. In essence, he's praying the way Jesus teaches us to preach. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your perfect reign, and you reign in righteousness and justice and peace. That's how God reigns, and he's crying out to God. I don't see it. I'm crying out to you, but I'm asking for you to bring your reign of righteousness and justice and peace into our community, into our country, into our world. He laments. That's what a lament is when you look out and you see God isn't reigning over these circumstances. Violence and, 
injustice and destruction. That's not where God reigns. He reigns in the opposite of that. And that's exactly what the prophet is doing. And he's teaching us to lament, to cry out to God and say, God, would you intervene with your power? And by the way, why we cry out, and that's part of his prophetic word to you and me, cry out to God that God's reign in righteousness and justice would invade and permeate our circumstances. And as we do so, we need to take action to be instruments of God's rule in our community. We need to be those who stand for those who were oppressed. We need to stand against racial discrimination. We need to stand for God's rule in all, whether it's racial discrimination or economic deprivation or whether it's uh, um, health care inequity, whatever the, the injustice is, gender discrimination, whatever sense of injustice happens in our culture, we need to be standing for God and his rule and, and crying out for and being active to bring about God's reign in those circumstances. The prophet Micah put it this way. <laughs> he summed it up. What does God require of us in this time of turmoil? To act justly, to love mercy, to love and care about those who are in need and those who are discriminated against and those who are oppressed and those who are marginalized. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. And Micah just kind of nails it. So the first thing, God's prophetic word, is to you and to me, lament. Cry out to God and be active with God to see his purposes prevail in our community, in our country, in our day. Second word is this, worship. We looked at uh, Habakkuk's words of, of lament. Let's read together his words of worship because he says this. Worship, he says, stand in awe at your Savior. Now I want to take a minute to read, and, but let me just summarize a passage where the, the uh, prophetic word from the Holy Spirit to you and me through Habakkuk is just that, to stand in awe of our Savior. Now Habakkuk looks back on how God had intervened in human history and had saved Israel, his people. And he writes a very poetic uh, uh, paragraph or two about how God broke into human history with power and majesty and, and uh, uh, judgment on Egypt and yes, pestilence on Egypt, but he spoke against the rivers. He turned the, the great Nile River that, it, that Egypt was dependent on into blood and, he, and he, he rode as it were in a chariot and through the Red Sea and destroyed Pharaoh and destroyed the nations and he was all doing that to save Israel, his anointed, his called people. So he speaks about God's as Savior with might and majesty and splendor and power. What he's doing is he's inviting us to stand in awe at our Savior. That's what he says. Look at this. He says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. He looked back on human history, and in his time of turmoil, he says, I stand in awe that you are God, my Savior. Repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. And he's anticipating and knowing as a prophet that the impending Babylonian judgment was an act of God's judgment and his discipline on his nation for their repeated generational apostasy. But he says this, God's splendor, he says, uh, God came from Teman in the south, the Holy One from Mount Paran. He's talking about God moving in the south of uh, Judah. His glory 
covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plagues went before him. Yes, the plagues of, of, uh, inflicted on, on Egypt. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. It wasn't just Egypt. It was all the surrounding nations heard about his power and what he was doing in moving in salvation and judgment uh, in the world at that time. He made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains, mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Kushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, the Nile you turned into blood, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? And he's got a great image of, of what happened when he split the Red Sea and rescued Israel and destroyed the Egyptians. He says this, you uncovered your bow, you called for many arrows, you split the earth with rivers, the mountains saw you and writhed, torrents of water swept by, the deep roared and lifted its waves on high, sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people to save your anointed one his chosen son, Israel. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. That's Pharaoh. You stripped him from head to foot, which is with, with his own spear you pierced his head. When his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding, you trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. Marvelous might, majesty, power of God saving his people on earth. And Habakkuk looked at that. But let me say this. We as followers of Jesus, in our day of turmoil, have a much greater act of worship, a much greater revelation of worship. Yes, Habakkuk could look back on, on God's rescue of Israel. But we look back and we see God's heavenly king who's come to our planet. And we need to stand in awe of him, as we already have this morning. But that's the second part of, of, of the prophetic word to you this morning, yes. Lament and cry out for God, but stand in worship of Jesus. Stand in worship of our great King, our great Savior. He is the King of justice. In his first coming, we look back and, and he came and do you realize that he came not riding on a, a chariot and splitting oceans, but he came in the womb of a peasant girl a poor girl in a little village in Palestine. And the people that, that he welcomed at his arrival were social outcasts, shepherds, despised people, poor people. And um, he arrived and, and, and started his ministry in that fashion. He came for the oppressed. Luke records his, his, when he inaugurated his ministry as Messiah. He said, I'm fulfilling the prophet Isaiah's words. The spirit of the Lord is on me and I've come to release the oppressed. He cared about people who were marginalized. He healed lepers who were rejected. He um, reached out and fed the poor and the hungry and the crowds flocked to him. And he cared about racial discrimination. He, well, he, he welcomed every outcast to his table. That's the great message of the good news of the gospel, especially as, as Luke shares it. 
He's the king of the oppressed. He reaches out and cares for the marginalized and the discriminated and the hurt and the put down. There's an open place at his table for all of those kind of people. He took initiative against racial discrimination. He made an appointment with a Samaritan lady who was outcast because she was a half-breed. And um, he brought living water to her and to her village, the gift of eternal life. And he ran against racial discrimination when he entered the temple, which was the bastion of the economic and religious and social power of the day. And he went into the temple and he said, God's house is to be a place for all the nations, a house of prayer for all the nations, and you've made it a robber's den. And he, he stood against the racial discrimination that was going on in the temple. And yes, he acted in protest, not violence, but protest. He threw the tables over. And the money's changes tables over. He protested the evil that was going on there, but not with destruction. Nobody was hurt. Nothing was damaged. But he did protest. More significantly, he, he showed his authority over the temple. And you read that story of, of what happened when he entered the temple and faced racial, econ, uh, racial injustice, and he, and he faced economic injustice and political corruption in the temple. It was all there. And um, the political parties, the Herodians and the, 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 the Pharisees were two political parties and both were trying to co-opt him and get him on their side. And I love the words of, of Anthony Evans, Tony Evans, a, uh, a pastor in, in Texas. He said this when he talks about Jesus going in and the Herodians and the, the, the political parties. Jesus said, I have not come to take sides. I have not come to take sides with a political party. I have come to take over. I love it. That says it all. Because our political allegiance is to our King Jesus. And that's what Jesus came to do. He has the authority over the temple. He has authority over all things. Jesus came as our Savior of justice. And in his ultimate act of justice, he gave his life on the cross. He gave his life on the cross so that justice could be done, so that he could suffer the right penalty for your sins and my sins, but on himself. He accomplished justice through his personal injustice. He didn't deserve any of that suffering. He didn't commit any of the sins. And when they inflicted violence upon him, he didn't retaliate with violence. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And what did he do? He ushered in a kingdom of peace, of justice. Our sins are forgiven. And he took people like you and me who were spiritually under bondage, spiritually oppressed, hopeless and helpless in our sins. And in Paul's word, he delivered us out of Satan's dominion into his kingdom where he rules with justice, with peace, with love. He is an awesome king. And we, need, we have a much greater revelation of, of this awesome savior from heaven than Habakkuk ever had. But as Habakkuk lived through his turmoil, he saw his mighty God, the Savior. And we need to stand in awe at Jesus, our King of justice, our King of righteousness, our King of peace, because he reconciled lost people like you and me under God's judgment to the holy, loving God. And he brought peace in our relationship as a church family, as we've seen in past weeks where people from every skin color and every economic background and every culture come under peace with God and peace with one another, shalom and love and blessing. That's the kind of king we serve, an awesome king.
and we need to stand in awe of Jesus, our righteous king, our just king, our king of peace, and yes, ultimately our king of love. And realize what one of the hymn writers said, when we recognize personally what Jesus did for you and for me to make us stand in awe of him. Do you remember how the old hymn goes? Some of us might remember. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. So we consider what he did on the cross. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? And what's the response to Jesus, our awesome king? Were the whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my heart, my life, my all. So we stand in awe at Jesus, our awesome heavenly king. That's God's prophetic word to you this morning and to me. Lament, cry out to God and be active for God so that his reign comes into our community. Celebrate Jesus, stand in awe of Jesus, worship Jesus, he is worthy. But there's a third thing I don't want us to miss from the Habakkuk as the Holy Spirit speaks his prophetic word to you and me this morning too. And it's this, trust, trust, keep trusting. No matter what happens, you may not understand what's going on. None of us totally do. We don't know God's ultimate purposes. We don't know the time of Christ's return. Even Jesus, the Father, did not disclose to Jesus that day. But what Jesus does call us to is to serve him faithfully, trust him. And in terms of what Habakkuk would say to us, during hardship, find your joy and your strength in your sovereign Lord. During times of hardship, during times of suffering, continue to find your joy and your strength. Now, Habakkuk faced things that I trust you and I will not face in the weeks ahead. And I don't want to minimize the suffering and the hardship that people have gone through. But it is nothing like the prophet you. Look at what he, re, what he uh, says in, um, in this passage in chapter 3. He says, though the fig tree does not bud, and he, what he's doing is he's anticipating, and we, we know he, um, he lived long enough to live through the impending Babylonian judgment that came in 586 B.C., that this stuff was real for Israel. And uh, he wrote about it, he anticipated it happening. And he writes these very beautiful uh, poetic words. But as he's anticipating hardship, he's anticipating suffering, he's saying, we're going to rejoice in God our Savior. We're going to look to him for our strength. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are, two, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. He's saying, in essence, come hell or high water, we're going to find our joy in God our Savior. We're going to look to him for our joy and our strength. And he faced things that God willing you went, now, realistically for us, it may get worse before it gets better. I don't think any of us have suffered what Habakkuk and what the nation of Israel was looking to suffer. It's interesting he speaks in these very beautiful poetic lines about an increasing level of hardship an increasing level of suffering. He says, though the fig tree does not bud. Well, why does he start with a fig tree? Well, that was kind of like a delicacy. That was kind of like lobster, if you will. Some of us, that, yeah, once in a while we get lobster, but we don't eat lobster every day. It's kind of a delicacy. But if there's no fig tree, well, we can live without that, without the delicacies. And there are no grapes on the vine. Well, grapes were used mainly 
to make wine. Well, they could live without wine. They wouldn't die of thirst. There was plenty of water. But again, something nice was removed. Um, but then he starts getting into the staples of life. Though the olive crop fails, well, the olives were, were kind of essential for their society. They, they used the olives for cooking. They made oil. They crushed it, made oil for cooking, for lighting, and yes, for some eating. But olives were sort of a staple. And if there's no olives, then, then our lives are starting to be affected. We're without staples. And then he goes on and he says, and the fields produce no food. Well, that was the staples of their eating, the bread, the wheat and the barley. And, and if the, there's no crops, now they're really starting to suffer hardship. Now they're going without staples. And uh, he says, though there are no sheep in the pen. Well, sheep were used mainly for wool, but you could trade sheep for other commodities that you needed that you didn't have. And he's this increasing hardship, and he says, no cattle in the stalls. Well, they were used mainly for, for hard farm labor. But he's saying, if this happens, and we know all of this happened when the Babylonians invaded, it was complete desolation and extreme hardship and suffering. And as he faced that, he says, whatever happens, whatever suffering we face, we're going to find our joy. We're going to find our strength. Yet I will take my joy in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. This is the response of the person who lives by faith. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. It's this picture of a deer. I don't know if you've seen deer running in the forest. They're sheer-footed. They're swift and they're secure. You never see a deer fall on its face running through the woods because they're secure and nimble and swift on their feet. And he says, that picture of security, that's where I'm at in my relationship with God. And so he's saying to you and me in this time of turmoil, trust, even though we might face and we're all praying that things get better before they get worse but they might get worse and there might be more suffering and there might be more hardship he's saying even in that time of hardship look to God to be your joy and your strength we're going to conclude our service this morning by living out Habakkuk's prophetic word to you and me I want us to just take a, a few minutes and we'll put up a screen I want you to um, first of all just where you're seated, and some of you are in family groups, some of you are a couple of singles together, just uh, nod heads with uh, a couple of people around you, and, and let's pray together. And the first movement of prayer is just this, crying out to God. Just take a couple of minutes and pray together as a, as a family, and, and if you're at home in your living room, just uh, gather with uh, someone you're there, or if you're just alone, you can just pray yourself. But if we just put up the slide to uh, help people see, the first thing we're going to do is just cry out to God. What do we cry out to God for? Justice, lawfulness, peace. Pray for our political leaders. It is a time of turmoil, and the scriptures tell us to do that. So take a moment and let's just cry out to God and, and, and pray and ask him for his kingdom to come, for him to rule in our circumstances in our community in our lives according to these ways go ahead and take a minute and pray and then i'll lead you on to the next out to god
Thank you. Let's just now move to the uh, second thing and let's um, just prayers of praise to our righteous King Jesus. Uh, cry out to God and now let's just take a moment and again praise God for our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Whatever comes to your heart, mind, just give thanks and praise Him. Thank you. And just a third moment of prayer. Um, let's go on and just express our trust with him. Um, express that um, he is worthy. Trust God for protection. Trust God for care. Trust God for your joy, for your strength, whatever comes to your heart. But let's express our prayers of trust to God. Thank you. We're going to conclude our service now. Uh, and let me invite you to stand, having just taken a few moments to respond to God's prophetic word to you and to me from the book of Habakkuk, from his spirit-inspired prophet. Let us be those this week who, who lament, who cry out to God and are active for God in our circumstances. Let's be those who, who worship, who celebrate Jesus. And yes, let's be those who trust him for whatever may happen, find our joy and strength in him. So we're going to conclude our service as our worship team comes, and we're just going to stand in awe of God, stand in awe of Jesus, our wonderful Savior.